So good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, and uh, just excited about where we're fixing to go in a series that we're fixing to call Authentic. Uh, living authentic lives. Being authentic. I, I won't start the actual authentic until November. So the first two sermons I'm fixing to take today and break down a, um, a story and relate it to life or relate it to how I want you to see learning to be authentic, how God teaches us to be authentic. And so this will be kind of the kickoff to what we do and how we live a life that is just real, authentic, uh, 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 there are several different words. I was looking them up and I was thinking of different ways, but just describing this. And, uh, and so um, I remember years ago, that was the key thing. So let me, let me just start off with this. I've got so many things in my mind. I've got six weeks worth of, worth of information. Does that make sense? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I want to go six weeks at one time and I can't. And so let me just start slow and break this down, and then we can walk into it. Is that okay? All right, just bear with me because, you know, sometimes that's the way my mind works. It's like I'm already boom, 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 boom. And it's like, no, I just got to go back to the beginning and just unpack it. So anyone ever have a life moment where you just feel like something's missing? Uh, something just is it's just missing. Let me see if I can describe it this way. Uh, there was a couple years ago, and they would always travel. They would always go, and and it it never failed. They would pull out of the driveway. He'd be husband would be driving, the wife would be sitting there, and he would ask her the same question every single time. You ready? Got everything? Yeah, we're good. That's good. Let's go. We got everything packed. Good. Ten miles down the road, she would constantly say, "Oh, I, I think I left the iron plugged in." For you, it may be the iron. For me, it's the curling iron. I think I left my curling iron on. Now, you may not have a curling iron. I don't use it very often, but we do have one. And the, and the statement is, I think I left my... Can you check and, and see if the curling iron is plugged up? But in that time, it was the iron. And so he, he, would, he would constantly like turn around, drive all the way back. She would go in. And most of the time... I got it. It was already unplugged. It was our, but every now and then she would leave it plugged in. And so finally one trip, they start going and he said, you got everything? We're, oh, we're good, good. And she leans over and she says, oh, I'm not sure about that iron. She said, can we go back and just check it? And he just kept driving. And, and she's like, I really need to check the iron. He just, it's all right. And, and she, she was like, you don't understand. The house could burn down. I mean, I mean, all our pictures, everything could be lost. Everything would be lost if, if, the, if the house burned down. And he just kept driving. Finally, she just got really mad. You're not listening. You're not, you don't care about this. And finally, he just put on the brakes, got out of the car, walked around to the back, opened the trunk, came back into the car, <laughs> handed her the iron, and kept right on driving. You ever feel like you're missing something? You forgot something. There is a solution. There is an answer 
in our lives to things that we feel like, I'm just not sure about, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not confident there. I don't have that one figured out. I, I love research and I love uh, discovering different things about just information. I love information. And one of the fascinating parts that I've been kind of just dabbling with the last few days is, is the group U2. And they're an Irish band, and they've been around since the 80s. They're an older band. And one of their greatest songs of all time is, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I thought today, maybe later uh, during this series, we'll play that as we kind of come in, or we'll play excerpts of it. Anybody ever heard that song? Go ahead and don't lie to you just because you're in church. Just go ahead and, you know. Because I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, raise your hand high. Just go ahead and let everybody see it. You're a heathen. Listen to Irish rock music. So this song is what's so unique about it is it wasn't written or it wasn't designed for just music. It was a time when you 2 came to America and on the uh, album, The Joshua Tree... And I won't share it all with you now, but on, in the album, The Joshua Tree, they wanted to tap into the different kinds of genres and music that America was known for. And one of the ones that his, one of his writers talked him into, he said, you've got to study gospel music. You've got to study the gospel side. He said, gospel music is, is the roots of everything that you're going to listen to. He said, you cannot do anything without doing. And so this song came from uh, that mindset. In fact, listen, the whole context of the song is someone looking for, searching for something they can't find, something they, they and, and it's from a religious mindset. The only problem is, is that, Bono, who is the lead singer, you have to understand a little bit about him. He comes from a religious family. In fact, his name, if you were not to call him Bono, you would call him David Paul Hewson. That was what his mom and dad named him, David Paul. Wonder why? Because their background, we just know him as Bono, you know, and he wears the glasses inside and out. But the reason he does that is because he has glaucoma. And he has to wear sunshades inside and out because his eyes are so bad. But this is his background. And so when he begins to tap into this and write this, listen to some of the lyrics. Uh, so he said, I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through the fields only to be with you, only to be with you. I have crawled. I have scaled these city walls, these city walls only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The very final verse of this song goes this way. I believe uh, in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will be into one, bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You've broken the bonds and loose the chains. Where do you think he gets all that? Carried the cross, took my shame, took the blame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Sounds like millions of people that go to church every single Sunday. I'm still scaling walls. I'm still climbing. I'm still working. I'm still doing. 
Oh, don't get me wrong. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you carried that. I believe in all of that. I I believe that there's a kingdom come. I believe there's a heaven. I believe, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still, even all my running and all my going, and this morning as you're running and going and trying to get your church in, make sure you get that in before the day is over with because you'd feel real guilty if you didn't go to church today because you got to get it done so you can go run to the next thing because tomorrow's got a whole different set of problems. And I still haven't found really what I'm looking for. How many times do you have to talk the person you're sitting beside into going to church with you? How many times do you have to convince yourself, come on now, get up. You're just running. You're just chasing. You're, you're... And you 2 wrote this song in 1987. It became one of their most popular hits. I wonder why. Because there's not a person in this room or in the world that can't listen to that song and say, I like that song. That song speaks to me. That, that, that song you know, tells my life. So in, in our life, turn with me in your Bibles then to Mark. Mark the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 31. And I'm going to read you a story that we're going to break down today. And I, hopefully I can, I can help you understand this a little better and a little more what's going on in this story. It's a very familiar story. Anybody ever heard of the rich young ruler, as we call it? I've heard that story, haven't you? Well, we're going to look at that, and I want to show it to you in a, in a way that maybe today will help you. Maybe get you out of what I just described as the norm of our Christian walk. I'll even help you with this. Anybody ever say, boy, Pastor Lot really steps on my toes? Well, Pastor Lot, I mean, if he gets to pray, he gets on my toe. Well, I'm going I'm to help fix your toe problem. Is that all right? We can fix your toe problem today or my stomping problem. So in Mark, beginning at verse 17 through 31, let's read. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, I love that because this person's running. This person bows before him. He's searching. He's looking. He's not, just, he's not just doing this. He's not just catching Jesus by accident. He, he's making a point to find him. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those to trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is a a large story to unpack. It is a difficult story when you break it down. It's not just the fact that he comes to somebody and says, sell everything you got, follow me, pick up your cross, give it to the poor, and and you'll have eternal life. That's the answer to your problem. That's the answer, because this is a strange conversation. Go back with me. And, and, and let's, let's look at this because when he begins to talk with him and he begins to speak with him, listen to what Jesus says. So Jesus' job in your life, you can write this down. Jesus' job through the power of the Holy Spirit is to do one thing. It is to probe your life and find the area that is not right. He is your guide, your teacher. Your inst- he, he is not just to make you feel good while you sit here for two hours. His job is to probe you, to inspect you, to search you out, and to find the areas in which you need change or you need direction and then to push you toward that. Listen to this conversation that Jesus has. Go back with me and, and let's begin to read this again. And I'm going to break it down. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Now, as he was going on the road, one came running and knelt to him and asked him, teacher, how can I get eternal life? So Jesus said, why do you call me good? Number one, what is the standard by which you are determining right and wrong? What is the standard by which you are deciding I am good or bad? Most of us use other people or use things that we compare and we're like, I'm not a bad person, not, not compared to them, not compared to others and not compared. So we look at ourselves and try hard to find a way to be able to say, I'm okay, I'm good. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. At least I haven't done that. It'd be like a married couple and, and, and the wife is like, look, you're not treating me right. You're not doing it. And he's like, I haven't cheated on you. Now, it doesn't mean he hasn't called three other women last week, and it doesn't mean he hasn't flirted with other people. It doesn't mean he hasn't chased people around Walmart parking lot. It just means that I haven't cheated on you yet. So why are you fussing at me? 
And so when we try to compare ourselves to standards that we design and we build and we try to say is okay and we try to say we're going to end up hurting not only ourselves but the life that we want to have. And so here is this young man who is searching and and he has searched his whole life trying to find this life that gives him the peace and the joy that he knows that I've got eternal life. I know that I'm good. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus' first statement is, okay, we first have to be talking about the same thing. Let me explain this to you. This is why you cannot have decent conversations with the world. Do you understand that the Bible was not written to the world? You keep taking the Bible and trying to introduce your Bible to the world. You keep trying to bring scriptures and say, here, here's a good scripture. I'm going to put this in front of you and it's going to change your life. No, Jesus changes their life. And then when their life is changed, scripture will make sense. No wonder we can't have nothing but arguing and debating and bickering, which Paul said, listen, don't get into it. Because unless we have the same standard, if I'm going to talk to anybody, first I'm going to ask this question. Do you believe that the Bible is a flawless word of God that me and you can look at and be our standard? And if they look at me, well, you know the Bible is flawless. So what is your standard? Well, whatever I think, then we're in trouble. We're going to have a hard time having a conversation when I'm trying to bring truth versus whatever crazy thought you come up with in your mind the last 10 years. So we're going to have to establish what truth is, and if it's the truth, then we can talk. It's two plus two, four. Yes, good. We can talk math. But if two plus two is five to you, then we got issues. And you're going to the world trying to tell the world, that isn't right. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And they're like, yeah, we change it anytime we want to. We change it to how we feel. What's wrong with you? Y'all are just so stuck. Y'all can't change. Y'all are so rigid. Y'all are so, no, it's not that. It's just we have a Bible. We actually believe it. It's the truth. It's never going to change. It won't change today. It won't change tomorrow. In fact, it says about it, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. It's not going to change. I've established that that's the truth. So he looks at the man and they, they come to the agreement. Okay, we're in agreement. We can have a conversation. There's none good but one, that is God. And this is what he says. In this strange conversation that he has with this young man, listen to what he says to him. You know the commandments. Do not commit what? Now, let me see if I can break this down to you in a, in a good way. Um. The Ten Commandments are broken down, and I just printed them off real quick before I got up here, so that's what I'm doing. The Ten Commandments are broken down into two parts. Jesus later would talk to a lawyer, and the lawyer would say, well, what does God ask us to do? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as your... He said, all the laws hang on this. So the Ten Commandments are a condensed version of that. So, So let's understand them. So number one, no other gods before me. You shall not make of yourselves a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in what? In vain. 
and remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the first four, the first four are toward who? God, your relationship with God. So if you have a problem, so he, he, by having this conversation, he said, there's none good but who? God. So what he asks is basically, he says, we're going we're gonna to figure this thing out together, young man, and, and we're going to find out why you're having issues. And he says, first off, is God the most prioritized thing in your life? Do, do you, have you have other gods? No. Do, do, do you make any craven images in your life? No. Have you have any other taken the name of the Lord God in vain? No. Do you remember the Sabbath day? All these things I have done since my youth. I'm good. I, I'm, I'm going to do it. Just like Bono would say, I believe in the, the cross. I believe that you died. I believe in all, but I'm still searching for something I haven't found. I'm still looking for something out there that I can't find. And so Jesus does this. Go. Keep going back. All right. You know the commandments. Now, I want you to write these down or remember them in your head. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Now, from the time a, a Jewish person is of any age, they can quote the Ten Commandments. Now, I've told you that there are how many? And we knocked out how many? That left how many? Jesus only listed how many? Now six. First four deal with God. The next six deal with who? Man. But God, Jesus, when he mentions this to the young man, he says, you know the commandments, and he starts listing them for him, but he does what? He leaves out one. Now, you know, a lot of times when you're reading this, ten, this story, you're not catching this, but you got to get this because this is really important because his job is to probe your life for what's not right. So he lists them. He says, you know the commandments. He didn't say, you know some of the commandments. He said, you know the commandments. We've already dealt with God. He said, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not uh, uh, honor your father and mother. But he left one. Oh, that's right. Number six, number five is honor your father and mother. Number six is thou shalt not murder. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. Do you know what the tenth one is? Thou shalt not covet. And Jesus omitted it. Why do you think that is? It's because the young man already knew what it was 
Let me put it in our terms. He was stepping on his toes. You're a preacher. You're stepping on my toes. Why didn't you say that last one? Because I can look at you and tell what your problem is. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have done since my... And was he lying? People, I hear preachers always saying, well, Jesus never said he was lying. Jesus never said he was lying. And I'm like, you're right, because he left one out. He knew it. The young man knew it. And he knew if, if Jesus dropped the other shoe, it's going to be a problem because you already are reading my mail. You already know my problem. And, 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 and Jesus then looks and he answers him, teacher, all these things have I kept from my youth. Boy, he was, he was like, I'm glad you left that one out. But he didn't leave it out. Notice the next verse. And Jesus then looked at him. And I can imagine this. Anybody ever talks about when I'm preaching and stuff, they always say, Pastor Lot's eyes go dark. And, it, and, and I can see Jesus then looking at him. And only one thing you lacked. We're talking now, but, but, but then Jesus, the Bible, it makes it plain. And Jesus looking at him. What do you mean? He wasn't looking at him when he was talking? Oh, he was. But, but this is a different look now. Now, I know y'all know all this stuff, and I'm teaching y'all stuff. It's just old stuff. But this, y'all, you'll be able to help somebody later. Because y'all knew this story back and forward. Y'all didn't need me to teach you this. But maybe there's something you can pull from here. Jesus looking at him then, he gets down to the... We're through with the... God, the first four. We're through with the first five of the person you're supposed to love. We're down to the one. And he says, only one thing then you lack. One thing you lack. And he didn't say to him, you might be lacking. He didn't say, it's possible that this could be. You know, you ought to think about this and pray about this and see if this is something that may be wrong in your life. No, he looks directly at him and says, let me tell you. There's one thing you're lacking. Isn't that a bad feeling? That's called stepping on your toes. That's called the preacher got up in my business. That's called, why did my wife tell that preacher what I've been doing because he's preaching my stuff? Why did you tell that preacher? And she's looking at you and said, I ain't talked to him. That's because God's job is to probe your life and to find in your life the areas that aren't right. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, and give it to the poor, and then you will receive treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and follow me. So this simple, this strange conversation that Jesus leaves out, sell all you have and give it to the poor, well, that, that's the answer then, right? Right? Well, if your problem is covetousness, it is. I have people in my church whose their issue is covetousness. 
And some of them will eventually decide, I am going to be the greatest investor in all seasons. And I'm sorry for the rest of you, you can't give what they can give. It's not your gift. It's not your problem either. Because they have to wrestle whether or not they want to go down to stay at their other houses and stay in their other stuff or go on their other things and, and spend time with their other things and go with friends they've got that do other things. And they've got plenty of time and money. They've got all that. And they have to decide whether covetousness will be the thing that destroys. And you know what God tears them up with? Giving. Give them folks, and I'm telling you what, they need to get a job. They have to struggle all the time because they don't, they don't have the same issue you have. It's amazing how in ministry, though, we'll preach this and we're like, that'll solve all you. Just, just give everything you got to the Lord. That, that, that's because this was his problem. This was his issue. And the spirit probing says, listen, we're going to find. It's amazing that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, right? And, and he tells Nicodemus when he comes at night, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. Now, why did Jesus look at Nicodemus and say, Nicodemus, one thing you're lacking. Go back, sell everything you got, and come follow me. How about Joseph of Arimathea, who eventually was the grave that Jesus was buried in? He listened to Jesus, listened to his teachings. Why didn't he tell Joseph of Arimathea, hey, you know what your problem is? You need to sell everything you got. When you, if you will, then you'll have eternal life. Because even though he was wealthy, it wasn't his problem. It wasn't his issue. When God begins to search out your life, he's going to find your issue. Let me, let me see if I can uh, show it to you in, in this way. In Luke 10, there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus. In Luke 10. And he's asking a, a specific question. In fact, he asked the same question this rich young ruler asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what Jesus says to him? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. You know what he says? No, that's not what he says. No. You know what he tells this man? He says, what do the commandments say? Well, love God with all your heart. Love. Okay. Then love your neighbor. That's your, that's, your, that's your job. Love your neighbor. Of course, the lawyer being slick, trying to find a loophole, because guess what he did? He stepped on my toes. The lawyer looks at Jesus and says, well, who's really my neighbor? Because there are certain people I really don't want to love. And there are certain people I don't want to be nice to. And there are certain people I, I don't want to give to. And there are certain people. And Jesus tells him the story. Remember the story? of The man who's going to do business. And he's robbed along the way. And a Levi follows on one side and goes around. And then a... Pharisee, and then finally a Samaritan comes. A lowly Samaritan, a dog comes and binds up his wounds, takes him. And he looks at the lawyer at the end, and he, I can see him look the same way he looks at this young man. He says, now who was the neighbor? <sighs> that Samaritan, the Samaritan that bound up 
then go and do likewise. When Jesus deals with a woman at the well, now I can do this all day. When Jesus deals with a woman at the well, and, and, and she comes to the well and she's wanting eternal life, and boy, they've got a good conversation going, and she looks and she finally is saying, give me this water that you're talking about. Remember what Jesus says to her? He says, sell everything, leave your pot here, sell everything you've got, get your pots and pans, come follow me, cook dinner for me at night, follow me and be one of my disciples. Isn't that what he tells her? No, that's not her problem. And I'll tell you how you know what your problem is. It's the one thing you don't want to do. You know how you offer that stuff to God? I was that way. I did not want to be a minister. I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to be responsible for other people. I liked being irresponsible. I know that seems strange to y'all now, but I was good at it. I was really good at living with whatever was in my front pocket. If I had 20 bucks, that's how much fun I could have today. And when I go back to work, I need to make enough money so I could have some more fun. I was good at it. And God says, you got one problem, Tim. What do you want me to do, God? You want me to teach a Sunday school class on Sundays? I will do it. Nope. God, I'll do whatever. I'll be a faithful member of a church. I'll give you my 10% and I'll blow the 90. He said, nope. I need you to accept the call of ministry. Oh, well, that's not happening. A large battle ensued for years over whether I would accept it. Let me tell you, most people accept the easy part. Most people accept the, God, here's, I'm telling you what, God, here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. Some of you, coming to church is what you've given to God. God, I'll tell you what, I'll be in church every Sunday, whether I like it or not. I'll do it, Lord. That's not what God wants. He wants that thing that keeps stepping on your toe. When Jesus looked at this woman at the well, he doesn't say sell everything. You know what he tells her? He says, go bring me your husband. What? I need water. Yeah, go bring me your husband. Uh, I don't have a husband. You're right. And I can see him give her that same look. You're right. You've had five. And the one you're living with right now, you ain't married to. What, what, was it, what was her problem? She was turning to men and others to solve the hole that was in her life. And God said, that's your problem. That's what you got to give to me. That's what you have to put in my hands. See, inside the Ten Commandments is your issue. For some of you, it may be an idol. You, 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 do, you do fine as long as you don't have to give up the TV or give up something in your life or quit loving your kids and family more than you, than, than you love God. Whatever, it, whatever you've created is an idol in your life. 
And, and as we go along, this shocking advice, sell everything that you have and give to the poor, he looks at this young man and he's not trying to be ugly to this man. He's not trying to, to be mean to them. He's trying to make him make a personal choice. Let me tell you what happens when God does finally come and confront you. Then every one of you in this room has to make a personal choice. Listen to what it says. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. And I love that. Jesus looking at him and what? Loving him. He's not doing it because he doesn't like you. He's doing it because what you're stuck in and what your mindset is and where you are will hold you there for the rest of your life and you will never be able to go further. All of the big steps in my life, all of the large moves in my life have never happened because it was the move. What it really was, was whether I would trust in faith what He's asking me to do versus what I can see and what I can hold. If I'm looking at a young teenage girl right now and I tell her, look, you need to trust God that God has the right guy for you and you don't need to be stuck with someone who's treating you this way, acting this way, then she has to make a choice. If I'm looking at someone in prison today and I'm like, look, you're fixing to get out in a few months. You've got a choice. You can either go back to your friends and go, or you can make a radical choice. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever place you are in your life, and I've been there several times through my life, different avenues, and, and, and we call it moving from glory to glory, but I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're moving from choice to choice. God's already there. He's just wondering whether you'll go there. Whether you'll quit what you're doing to pursue the thing you're supposed to. Whether you'll do like me years ago and leave what it was that you had figured out. That you had your, your, your life, you had your education. I was in school, I had it all figured. And God says, quit it all. Come back to Mississippi. Move back. Get a job in a grocery store. Preach when somebody calls you. And I'll show you the next place later. God says, it's your choice. Tim, I love you. And I want good for you. But I will not override your choice. That's where the flaw in our theology, where we try to take some of the Calvinism and, and we mess it up. When we say, well, God already knows what's going to happen. Yes, God wrote revelations. He knows what's going to happen. But inside God's universal, inside God's ultimate, inside God's large world working, in other words, what you do today won't stop the earth from turning. What you do today won't make the moon not shine tonight. But it will change your life. And inside the context of God knowing everything, He leaves room for you to make a choice. Now, people's like, I can't understand, neither can I. That's why I'm not God. But God can say, you're not going to disturb my plans, mess up my plans, and even in the fullness of that, I know what you should be and could be, and I know what I planned for your life, but I will not force you to be that. 
But what you do or don't do won't stop my plans. And that is, that is beyond my, I can sit here and debate that and we can wrestle that and try to get our minds around that. And if I'm sitting with two or three friends and we talk about it and pull scriptures out and do it, we can have a lot of fun and we all walk away with headaches needing Tylenol. And we're like, I don't I don't, I don't understand how God's that big, how God can know to that detail. He knows the number of your hair. And yet at the same time, he says, you choose. And he looks at this man, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Sell everything you got. He's not telling you to do that. Unless you love money so much that it's going to keep you out of heaven. If you love it that much, then sell it all. Buy a camper, move to Roosevelt, and, and just live from day to day and go to heaven with me. If you're going to quit loving people because of money, if you're going to quit doing what you're supposed to do because of money, the Bible says when Jesus taught in Matthew 5, he says, listen, you can't love God and mammon. You can't love them both. Well, you've got to love one or you've got to love the other. Doesn't mean you've got to get rid of it. I like being able to buy a hamburger when I want to. I like to be able to go to a restaurant when I like to. I like to have, you know, ability to put gas in my car. I, I like money. It's nice when my debit card doesn't say insufficient funds. That really ticks me off. Not that it's ever happened, but it could So the life lesson is Jesus offers eternal life, but he won't force it on you. This morning, the reason you're like Bono, the reason you're like that song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's not because you haven't run into it. It's because when you keep running into it, you do like the rich young man. You remind God of all the stuff that you've done. All the nine things that you're doing right. And you stick your chest out and like, God, I'm telling you, I'm not like them. I'm telling you, I go to church. I'm here today. I'm doing a... Verse 22. But he was sad at this word. I mean break it to you whether you do it or don't do it whether you decide today I'm, I'm going to be the husband I'm supposed to be I'm going to quit watching this stuff I'm not supposed I'm going to, I'm going to make the next move I, I'm fixing to, to speak differently than I'm speaking I'm going to quit using the language and I, I'm going to quit letting the devil hold I don't know what it is for you it's, it's, it's wherever you are in your life but listen to me whatever you choose it will make you sad whether you do it or not, because you're going to have something has to die. I would love to tell you that when I came back from Birmingham, I drove my car back, and man, I was like, praise God, I'm telling you, we're fixed to, we're fixed to take on hell with a water gun. We're going to, no, I was driving back like, what the heck am I doing? This is ridiculous. I'm fixing to move back into my mom and dad's house. I got no plans. I, I, I've got no education. Do you know that after 30-something years, that still hangs over me? 
If somebody looks at me and says, where'd you go to school? Well, I went a lot of places. <laughs> where'd you graduate? Now, that was always the problem. You mean you've done all that? You ain't got no seminary degree, mortuary degree? You ain't got no kind of degree? I got, I got nothing. But what he told me to do. 30-something years ago, he said, Tim, sell all you got. Give it away. Pick up your cross. Follow me. I don't have a plan B. It is just as sad as it will be for you to walk away, to, to quit, to stop, to have to change that thing, that mindset, whatever it is that holds you. But until you do it, let me tell you what's fixing to happen every time you get in a conversation, every time it crosses your mind, every time, let me tell you what's fixing to happen. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. You know, I know what our marriage needs to be, but you look at each other sorrowful because you're not willing to do what you got to do. You know, life needs to change, but you, you walk away sorrowful because you're not willing to do what you got to do. And he went away sorrowful for he had great... The man, I guess if I had to describe him, the man who had everything and nothing at all at the same time. A man who had everything and nothing at all at the same time. And when I look at the world that I live in today, this is what I see. I'll close with this. I'm through. We'll go further later. Last night, we were at a ball game. I don't get to go with very many, and it's, it's, it's kind of hard on me when I, when I do it. We were sitting there, and Elise noticed this young girl sitting in front of us. She had friends around her. She had a couple guy friends on one side, had two or three other girls on the other. She's just a college kid. She took some snaps and photos. It looked like she took some photos. And what we were spying on her, her phone was this large, and she's sitting right in front of us, and it's like, it's like if she wasn't trying to hide anything from us, it wasn't like she was looking at anything bad. So it was just like this game that was already a blowout. We're like, well, you know my ADD. I'm like, I need to find something to do. And like, oh, what are you doing? So that's just the way I'm built. So we're sitting there, and Elise is noticing it more, and I, I'm watching the game and look down and see what. She had her phone. She had taken some pictures that day of different people, her and snapshots, you know, different. And, and she, she wasn't a, a, a not beautiful girl. She was, she, was, she was above average, beautiful girl. But she wasn't ultra thinny or, or 
she wasn't, you know. So she sat there, and I, I guarantee you for 30 to 40 minutes. She, I guess the app's on her phone, and I don't have the, I need to get them, because I, I could really get some darker hair and get some, yeah. She, was, she would pull herself up, and she was, she was removing every, every bump, every blemish, every, I mean, you know, you know, how, you know how I know when it, after it's done, you can tell the difference because the other person looks real, and the other person looks like they're glowing. You know, it's almost like there's this, there's this shine all over their body because they've etched and touched, and she had touched up her size. She had touched up everything. And before she posted it to the world, she wanted to make sure that there was no flaws. And even the person she took one of the pictures with, one of the boys was looking over at her and she'd, she'd, she'd kind of get off the picture because she didn't want him to know that she was fixing. And when I look at this world today, that's what I see. The world tries to sell us every day a way of escaping our choice. You don't have to make a choice. You're sick. You, you don't have to make a choice. Your family had issues. You, you don't have to make a choice. People don't know what you're going through. People, you don't have to make a choice. You're bipolar. You just, you just mean one minute and nice the other. You can't help that. But really, when it comes to Jesus, He doesn't accept any of that. And He walks up to every single one of us and He shines the light on one of those things in our life and He says, you choose. And I, I'm, I'm not exempt and you're not exempt. He shines the light and says, you choose. You can, you can follow me and we can move on to bigger and better things. Think about, the Bible says he loved that. I thought of all the things that young man could have seen. He, he would have seen Jesus probably at the transfiguration. He would have seen Jesus. The things he longed for, he would have been there after the resurrection in that room and Jesus would have come. All the stuff, he asked this guy, follow me because I'm going to show you some awesome stuff. But he walked away sorrowful because he had great possessions. A man who had everything, just like this girl yesterday. She's a beautiful young girl. She didn't need to touch up her pictures. She just needed to realize she was everything God made her to be. She had everything. And at the same time, she's sitting there in a ball game with her friends and she's got nothing at all. That's a lonely room to be in. It's a lonely room to sit in, to have everything, and then nothing at all. Will you stand? This series that we're going to start in a couple of weeks is called Authentic. But I need to lay the groundwork for Authentic. And this morning, it just begins with this understanding. Do not be a person. If you're going to be authentic, if you're going to be real, that this world wants to see real people. Of all the things, hopefully, that I, I bring to your lives is not some made-up version of Pastor Lot. 
I may not look like every pastor. I may not come across the same way. But I hope that whether you meet me in town or you meet me, that you can always say the same thing. He's authentic. He's just real. That's, that's the way God made him. That's the way God designed him. And he's, he's making the best version of Tim Lott he can. He has speech problems, spitting issues. He talks too much, has to fight being a know-it-all. He's got all that going on. But it's okay. Because God said, just come. And this morning, your journey to being authentic, just like this young man, You've got to let God step on that toe, but you've got to finally fix what He's stepping on. It gets, it gets really old every so often coming to church and getting hit by the same thing. Same thing that... I don't want to change it. Well, His Word won't change. If you're in this room today, and as they begin to sing and play, I want to just open the altars up. And this is your chance to be authentic. I don't need to know the stuff in your life. I don't need to know. I, I try to be very open to you and just be honest and tell y'all everything, but I don't ask that from y'all. But you got to be that way with God. Because God already knows it. You're not hiding anything. This morning is your start to being authentic. It's coming and saying, Lord, you stepping on my toe in this issue, or you always telling me I'm, I'm not, you're not trying to hurt me. I just keep pulling away from it because I keep choosing it. But I don't want to choose it anymore. I want to be authentic. I want to be the real person you want me to be. I want to be what this young man just chose not to be. I don't want that for my life. I don't want to walk away with everything and nothing at all. I want what you want for my life. And if that's you this morning, then I want you just to step out. I want you to find your place. I want you to be real with God, authentic with God. And just say, God, I know this is the area you keep stepping on, and I'm sorry. It's, it's an area that's difficult for me to, to let go. But by faith, I want to let it go. By faith, I, I want to change. I want to do. By faith with works. If you're in this room, I, I'd do you wrong if I didn't give you this chance to step out. Because our life that God wants begins by being authentic. being real Father this morning in Jesus name I thank you I praise you for every person in this room for all their gifts for all that they were supposed to and going to do that God they don't even see God I speak that unlike that rich young man that I, I speak that God during this week 
as you reveal through your spirit, as you probe them, that they don't live their life like that song. Still scaling walls, still climbing mountains, still running, never finding what they're looking for. Father, in you, they can find it. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If it helps you to know, you can research some on Bono. He is a believer. Somewhere in all this process, he received Christ. I'm not saying he's all mature and all everything. I'm not trying to tell you to start following every. I don't even know all his theology. But he seems to be very sincere in trying to figure out his journey with God. Some of the articles that I've read and some of the ones he did an article for Christianity Today and different things and He's very open about his relationship with Christ. So maybe he's not still searching. He's probably still trying to work out the balance between duties, because coming from a background he grew up in was very orthodox, and finding the freedom in Christ. But I'm glad he found it. I look forward to seeing him in heaven one day. He can tell me some of his stories. God bless you. Don't give that devil fits.